Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in this episode, I'm going to explore a chapter of history that I have not ventured into very much on this podcast. And that is some history of the sanitarium. Now, the sanitarium was a medical institution that existed in Battle Creek. The building still stands today. It's now occupied by the Federal Center, and Defense Logistics operates out of that building as part of the military. So it's a government institution now, but back in its original formation, it was a medical facility known as the Sanitarium. And Dr. John Harvey Kellogg was the principal doctor that ran that institution and helped develop the methods and methodology of how they treated patients back then. And so in this episode, I'm going to explore some of the history of the nurses and the nurses training program that they had at the sanitarium. So come along and join me and we're going to go back in time and learn about the nursing program at the sanitarium. Now, how I came across this information is I found an article in the Sunday Journal Record that was brilliantly written, and it doesn't say who wrote it in this article, but the title of the article is Sanitarium Nurses, How They Are Trained and How They Live. It explains a little bit about that. Now, this point is 1908. The original sanitarium that had been built back in the 1800s burned down in 1902. It was a wooden structure, so it was rebuilt following that as a stone and marble and granite structure that is still in existence in Battle Creek as we know as the Federal Center today. And in 1908, the towers that are on the Federal Center that we are so familiar with were not in existence. It was just the main lower building minus the towers. And at that time, there was a very large training program for nurses. And it's going to explain that in this article I'm about to read. And it's quite fascinating. It's a very interesting look at how the nurses were trained back in 1908. And it also gives you a little bit of insight into life at the sanitarium through the views of the nursing program, which I found quite interesting. So the article begins, they come from all parts of the country and form an interesting group of charming and conscientious young women. They study hard, work regularly, and have a society of their own. A glimpse behind the scenes. While it has long been a recognized fact that the Battle Creek Sanitarium was the largest health institution in the world, It is not generally known that connected with this is one of the oldest, largest, and most thoroughly equipped training schools for nurses in the United States. One stopping there for any length of time becomes impressed with the importance of the position held by this army of young women who fit into the curriculum of the great institution like cogs in the wheel. Out and in the lobby they flit up and down the halls and across the lawn, here, there, and everywhere. These guardians of the sick, their smiling face evidencing a happy content 
their easy swing and stride bespeaking perfect health. No matter how dark and drear the day, their very presence seems to radiate sunshine. There are probationers, students, and graduates, their uniforms indicating their rank. Plain blue dresses, white collars, and white aprons without bibs are worn by the probationers. Narrow blue and white stripes with plated kerchief bib apron and cap, all of white, make up the uniform of the student body. While those who have completed the course wear either their stripes or plain white linen uniforms with stiff round collars and white caps around the edges of which is always a black band. Occasionally, one will see a uniform other than these, sometimes a pink and a white stripe, and then again a wider blue and a white or an all-white worn with apron and cap or other pattern. These are the uniforms of other training schools, either in America or foreign lands, and their wearers have come to take a postgraduate course in a sanitarium school. But according to a long-established custom, wear the uniforms of their own schools, as they will continue to do so, so long as they are engaged in the profession of nursing. Graduate nurses are now enrolled from Baltimore, St. Louis, Philadelphia, and Scottsburg, Sweden, a three-year course. The course extends through three years and embraces, in addition to the subjects usually taught in training schools, hydrotherapy, phototherapy, thermotherapy, electrotherapy, medical gymnastics, and dietetics. Bible study is also insisted upon Another departure from the general routine of work pursued in other schools of like nature. The management insists on the maintenance of a Christian institution and in consequence is particular in its selection of students, hence the probationary idea. Application having been made for entrance, the character of the applicant is considered. If found satisfactory, the young woman is granted admission but is placed in the probation class where she must remain for three months. During this time, she is able to decide whether or not she has a liking for the work and cares to continue her stay in the institution, and the management is also privileged to learn whether or not it wishes her to remain. Dancing is strictly prohibited, and the nurses are expected to assume a demeanor in keeping with the character of the sanitarium. In fact, it is the desire of the officials that all should consider themselves members of one big family. The superintendent, Mrs. M.S. Foy, and the assistant superintendent, Miss Charlotte Dancy, are not only capable instructors, but women of pleasing personalities as well, and it is both a pleasure and a privilege to be associated with them. Formerly, only Adventists were admitted. In the old days, only nurses of the Adventist faith were found here, but now fully 95% are members of other churches. There are Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Congregationalists, Catholics, Lutherans, Quakers, Campbellites, Seventh-day Baptists, and so on. 
The recent factional trouble in the Adventist church undoubtedly contributed in no small measure to this revolutionary change. While the seventh day is observed as Sabbath by the sanitarium management, and all nurses are on duty but half the day, due consideration is given the observance of Sunday, and on that day no classes are held except a Bible class, and Sunday evenings the nurses are always privileged to be off-duty, and they may attend services in their own churches. Two classes are organized each year, one on April 1st and the other on October 1st. There are now in training 81, while 42 graduates are on the list. They come from every state in the United States and the District of Columbia, and from Canada, England, Australia, South America, Norway, Sweden, Armenia, Jamaica, and the Isle of Antigua in the West Indies. Many applications are received. Applications are being received constantly, and as the result of but little effort, advertisements are being placed in six or eight religious magazines and newspapers, also two of the leading nurses' journals. Upon their entrance, each young woman receives two uniforms and the necessary accessories, caps, collars, cuffs, kerchiefs, and aprons. Board, room, and rent, and a certain amount of laundry work are allowed her. Classes are held on an average of two each day. Work hours vary according to the department in which the nurses serve, but eight hours are considered full-time. An opportunity is afforded them to work overtime, the wages per hour increasing with each year's class work. The probationers, juniors, and intermediates room in the West Hall and the seniors and graduates in the Annex, which is often dubbed Old Maid's Hall, but occupants do not mind the appellation. Two always share a room together, and some of these apartments are the dearest little nooks imaginable, filled with cushions, pictures, and the dozen and one things that enter into the furnishings of a girl's room. Oft-times, these rooms are the scene of revelry. With work and study ended, a few congenial companions will be summoned, and a spread will be the order of the evening. Goodies from home. Perhaps one of the hostesses has received a box of good things from the home folk and wishes her friends to share in the enjoyment of them. Then again, it will be a potluck supper, each girl contributing something to the feast, something she has a longing for and is sure the others have also. For be it known, the concoctions partaken at these spreads are not found on the sanitarium menu. Their dietetic values are not figured into calories. Forbidden pickles, coffee, and cocoa. The real articles, not the make-believe brands, and sandwiches with meat for the filling. But it is useless to attempt an enumeration of the edibles that appeal to these healthy, happy-hearted girls herded together as they are in one big institution. Girls will be girls wherever they are, and life in a training school for nurses is not unlike that in a college or seminary. The things forbidden are these they long for most. As previously stated, attendance at theaters and dances is discountenanced by the teachers and sanitarium management, but not a few doff their uniforms 
occasionally and seek entrance into the post to witness some good play and the bijou and the various five-cent moving picture shows know their presence also. They steal away to dances. As to dances, the Friday night parties at McFadden's sanatorium just across the way were found most alluring and the nurses' attendance thereat one pretty young woman with a wizened of the head put it this way. We certainly had a lot of fun over there, but our superintendent forbade our going anymore, and I'd rather guess that is what put an end to those dances. We made up most of the crowd. But considering the great number of young women, and they are varied nationalities, dispositions, temperaments, and tendencies, they yield remarkably well to disciplinary rules and regulations. The officials and faculty are well aware of this fact and assert that the instances are rare when nurses are dismissed either for disobedience of rules or inattention to duty. Many social pleasures. Many are the social pleasures found within the confines of the great building itself. There are lectures and concerts in the gymnasium Saturday nights, which they may attend, the price of admission being reduced to them, while to some entertainments they are admitted free. The alumni hold meetings every two months in South and West Hall parlors. Then there are receptions which, according to precedent, are given to the various classes during each year by the superintendent and her assistant. Upper-class girls entertain lower-class girls, and each year Dr. and Mrs. J.H. Kellogg throw wide open the doors of their handsome home to the new classes. Many a romance has had its beginning within the recesses of the sanitarium. Cupid finds willing victims there as everywhere. Why should not the flirtatious mood seize hold upon nurses as well as other people? Many a shy, bewitching glance is exchanged between the nurses and the opposite sexes, and many are the couples that betake themselves to the county seat or the homes of friends to be joined in the holy bonds of matrimony. And romances end there as well. With some love's dream have been broken, and they seek to forget their sorrows in the daily routine of work and study. They're just women after all. These young women have their likes and dislikes, their faults and their virtues, peculiar to femininity wherever placed. They have their petty differences and their little quarrels, but generally speaking are a congenial crowd. Some of them are musicians of considerable ability, and others are accomplished in other things. All of them are well-versed in the art of reading human nature, and they come in contact with all phases of it and must perforce deal gently with its idiosyncrasies. Chronic invalids, women in particular, are a fault-finding lot. But no matter how disagreeable they are, the nurses have to work about them with smiles on their faces and speak to them in voices well-modulated and pleasantly intonated. In short, self is effaced in large measure by those who minister to the wants of those whose illness is real or fancied. The frailties and deceptions of humanity are familiar to them, as are the pages of their old primers. Storied away in their memories are incidents innumerable 
some humorous, some pitifully pathetic. The drama of life is witnessed by them from its inception to its close. It is the nurse who takes in her arms the bit of humanity when it comes to make glad the home hearts, and it is the nurse who closes the eyes of the last deep sleep. All honor and respect, then, to the young women who are brave enough, strong enough, and self-sacrificing enough to enter this one of the most important of all professions. And that's how the article closes. So there's probably a lot of comparison to modern-day nursing in there, and I'd be interested to hear from nurses in present day or going to nursing school. I think nursing school is a lot longer than it was back then, based on nurses that I've spoken to, and there's certainly a lot more to the medical profession than there was back in the day in 1908, over 120 years ago or so. But it is quite interesting to look at the historical fact of how many women came to Battle Creek from all over the world to train at the sanitarium. It was quite the institution in its time. And many of them made their homes here in Battle Creek, having found husbands or started families or just remained on the staff of the sanitarium and held a very long career there. So it's quite an interesting exploration into the past to read about the daily lives of the women of that grand institution that has so many amazing stories connected with it. And I hope to bring a lot more of those stories to you this year from that because it was such a big part of the history of Battle Creek. And I really would love to find some more historians that have a lot more time invested in researching the history of the sanitarium. It's a subject that I have not really explored that much, primarily because I I tend to look for other parts of history that others are not looking into. And there's a lot written and there's a lot of material available on the sanitarium. But I will probably venture into the subject now and then to bring you some more interesting stories about it because it was such a fascinating time in the history of Battle Creek and it had quite a profound impact on the country at the time. It was one of the biggest medical institutions in the United States during its heyday. So it's certainly worth exploring and learning more about and researching the amazing stories and the people that were associated with it. And I had the museum president on from the Battle Creek Regional History Museum as an interview last year, Doug Sturdivant, and I asked him what his favorite story was about Battle Creek history, and he said the sanitarium. It had so much involved with it, and it had so much uh, impact on the community, and it was such an amazing history, and every time you look into it, you find something else fascinating that you didn't know about what was going on there. And I would have to agree with him. I mean, it was the biggest uh, story of its time, and it lasted for many decades here in Battle Creek. And while I'm on the same topic of the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, I wanted to call your attention to the fact that this year we have started to promote a lot of our events on a platform called Eventbrite. And we have a very special program, for example, coming up in March, on March 25th, celebrating the great women of history in Calhoun County. And we've selected nine women from Battle Creek and Calhoun County's history that had amazing lives. And the title of that event is called Phenomenal Woman. And that title comes from a poem by the author Maya Angelou, who was also a poet and she was a civil rights activist in her time. 
quite an amazing lady. If you've never taken time to read any of her stuff, you, you certainly should. She was uh, She's become one of my favorites over the years, and I, I discovered her probably 30 years ago. And it's just a, an amazing to read her work, and she had such an, a unique insight into humanity that uh, crossed over so many cultures and so many uh, different levels of uh, society that was just really inspiring to read her work. But if you want to check out the events that they are holding at the museum, you can go to a website link called BCRHM. That's Battle Creek Regional History Museum is the acronym. BCRHM.eventbrite.com. And I'll put the link to that in the show note descriptions so that you guys can get your tickets to that show. The tickets are $10 to the Phenomenal Woman Show. And I've been working on that project for a few months now for the museum and helping them write a lot of the biographies that are going to be presented on some of these women. I've done some of the research of the nine women that are there. I've been working alongside Donna Rickman from the museum, and she's written the other biographies in this program. And we've been putting this together and uh, talking several times a week, putting this whole program together. It's going to be quite something. So definitely put it on your calendar, March 25th. It's a Saturday and it will be at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. And it's at 2 p.m. on that Saturday. And it's going to be about a two hour long show. And the tickets are $10. So go to the Eventbrite and you can look it up there. And I'll put the link to that in the description of this podcast. But that's going to conclude today's journey through history, looking at some of the history of the sanitarium nurses and their training program. Very fascinating chapter of Southwest Michigan history. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. You can send me a message on there. And you can also make a contribution to the podcast and the work that I do there. There's a way to donate right there on the top of the website. You can also buy some merchandise about history. I haven't really promoted my merchandise this year yet, but I will be doing so in some of my videos. But until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating stories of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening.